Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the TLG Network Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Stewart. In this week's episode, we get to hear from Aaron Muntz again. He is one of my dearest friends and a man who carries more hope than any man that I know. And that is a big statement. I know it's not to offend anyone, but it's to genuinely bless and honor him for what he carries. And that is a history of being very gritty, very full of perseverance. And so with that being said, what I hope you get out of this episode this week is in the midst of the overwhelming noise of what's happening in our world and the overwhelming feelings that you might be facing, the giants that exist in history are still working today to take our attention away from the true God of the universe. And Aaron does an amazing job of weaving together the glory of God through all the things that we talk about. And so whether you're a business leader, an entrepreneur, a ministry leader of any kind, or you're in blue collar trades, I hope that this message finds you well. I hope that it encourages you. I hope it ignites a fanning of faith and hope. And I hope that it activates you to know that there are family and friends who need to hear you share encouraging things. And this episode could be something you could share with them as a gift. So wherever you are, I hope that this message finds you well and that it blesses you and that the overwhelming peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding is what you're left with at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Exodus 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, I will give to you your sentence. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. But when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one would put on any ornaments. For the Lord said to the Moses, Tell the Israelites, You are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites, they stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent, and he pitched out the aside of camp some distance away, calling in the tent of meeting. Now anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people, they, they rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his younger aide Joshua of Nun 
do not leave the tent. Now going on to Numbers, Numbers 33 continues this passion and follows with the aftermath of this equation where God then uh, equates the passing of the Israelites. Numbers 33. Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages in their journey, and this is the journey of their stages. The Israelites set out from Ramses on the 15th day of the first month, the day after the Passover, and they marched out boldly in full view of the Egyptians, who were burying all the firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had brought judgments on their gods. The Israelites left Ramses and camped at Sukkoth. They left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And they left Etham and turned back to Pihirath to the east of Baal Zephon. They camped near Bigdol. And left Pihirath and passed through the sea in the desert. And when they had traveled for three days in the desert of Etham, they camped at Mara. And then they left Mara and went to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees. And they camped there. And they left Elam and camped by the Red Sea. And then they left the Red Sea and camped at the desert of Sin. And they left the desert of Sin and they camped at Dolkoth. And they left Dolkoth and camped at Alush. And they left Da'uth and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for people to drink. And they left Rephidim and camped at the desert of Sinai. And they left the desert of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatavah. And they left Kibroth Hatavah and they camped at Hazroth. And they left Hazroth and camped at Rithma. And they left Rithma and camped at Rimon Perez. And let Rimon Perez encamped at Limna. And they let Limna encamped at Risha. And let Risha encamped at Kiralath. And they camped at Kihelath. And camped at Mount Shifer. And they left Mount Shifer. And camped at Herada. And they left Herada. And camped at Mikalah. And they left Mikalah. And camped at Talhoth. And they camped at Talhoth. And camped at Terah. And they left Terah. camped at Mithkah. And they left Mithkah. And camped at Hashmonah. And they left Hashmonah. And camped at Moserath. And they left Moserath. And camped at Benajah. And let Bishanashkan and camped at Hor Hagidad, and they let Hor Hagigad and camped at Jot Baha. And they left Jot Baha and camped at Abrona. And they left Abrona and camped at Ezion Geber. And they left Ezion Geber and camped at Kadesh in the desert of Zin. And they left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor and the border of Edom. And at the Lord's command, Aaron the priest, he went up the mountain for where he died on the first day of the fifth month, on the fortieth year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. And Aaron was a hundred and twenty-three years old when he died at Mount Hor. And the Canaanite king of Arad, who had lived in the Negev of Canaan, heard that the Israelites were coming. They left the Mount Hor and camped at Zalmona. They left Zalmona and camped at Penon. They left Penon and camped at Obath. They left Haboth and camped at Ai Abarim on the border of Moab. They left Ayim and camped at the Bongad. They left the Bongad and they camped at Almon Diblathayim. And they left Almon Diblathayim and they camped at the mountains of Abarim near Dabo. And they left the mountains of Abarim and they camped in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across the Jericho. And there on the plains of Moab. They camped along the Jordan from Beth Jeshemonoth to Abath Shittim. On the plains of Moab by the Jordan across the Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, 
Drive out the inhabitants in the land before you. Destroy all the carved images and to cast out their idols and demolish all their high places and take possession of the land and settle in it. For I have given you the land to possess. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance and to a smaller group, a smaller one. And whatever falls to them by lot will be theirs. Distribute to according to your ancestral tribes but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of lands, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side where you live. And I will do to them to you what I plan to do to them. said to Moses, command the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land of Canaan, that the land will be an allotment to you, as an inheritance will have these boundaries. Your southern tribe will include some of the desert of Zin, along the border of Edom, on the east. Your southern border will start from the end of the Salt Sea, cross south of the Scorpion Pass, continue to the Zin, and go south of the Kadesh Barnea, and they will go to Hazar Adar, and over to the Asmon but it will turn and join the Wadi of Egypt and the end of the sea. Your western boundary will be the coast of the Great Sea. This will be the boundary on the west. For your northern boundary run a line from the Great Sea to the Mount Hor, and from the Mount Hor to Lebo, Hamath, and then the boundary will go to Zedan. Continue to Zephron and at the end of Hazar Anan, and this will be the boundary on the north. For your eastern boundary run a line from Hazar Anan to Shepham, and the boundary will go down from Shepham to Rebah on the east side of Ain and continue along the slopes of the east of the Sea of Kinneroth. Then the boundary will go along the Jordan and the end of the Salt Sea. And this will be your land with its boundaries on every side. Moses commanded the Israelites, Assign this land by lot as an inheritance. The Lord has ordered that it be given to the nine and a half tribes because the families of the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gab and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance. These two and a half tribes have received an inheritance on the east side of the Jordan of Jericho towards the sunrise. And the Lord said to Moses, These are the names of the men who are assigned the land for you as an inheritance. Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and appoint one leader from each tribe to help assign the land. And these are their names. Caleb, son of Jephunneh from the tribe of Judah. Shemuel, son of Amihud from the tribe of Simeon. Eladad, son of Kislon, from the tribe of Benjamin. Buki, son of Jogli, from the tribe of Ban. Dan. Haniel, the son of Ephod, the leader from the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph. Kemul, son of Shiftan, the leader from the tribe of Ephraim, the son of Joseph. Eliasaphan, the son of Ponak, the leader from the tribe of Zebulun. Haltiel, son of Zan, the leader from the tribe of Issachar. Ayehud, son of Shelomi, the son, the leader of the tribe of Asher. And Pedal, son of Amihud the leader from the tribe of Naphtali. And these are the men the Lord commanded to assign the inheritance to the Israelites in the land of Canaan.
Hey everybody, welcome back to the TLGE podcast and I'm sure a lot of you have been wondering when Aaron Munson is going to be back on the podcast and if you look at the analytics, Aaron has by far had the most listens and I thought as a special surprise to all of our listeners, I wanted to get Aaron back on the podcast as soon as possible and so here he is and this time we have the honor of having Aaron playing his Lear, and Aaron, tell us about a little bit of where you've been since the last time we spoke. You and I obviously both know the answer to that, but our audience has no idea. For all they know, it's been just a normal five, six weeks since we hung out last. I think it's been about two months, but it's close. So what's happened since uh, we last spent time together? Some events in your life that you would want to just share and share your experiences as long or short as you want to go sweet (laughs) so Sioux Falls is hatching its latch yes we're in lockdown right citywide lockdown right COVID has risen itself like a weird Hyannis Hydra and no flames searing can close it off its heads. They seem to be growing at an alarming rate. So this is why a beautiful wintry day, being that the snow is once again back, was not, and now it is, beautiful South Dakota winters. You think that they're done, and you know they're not, because you know they're just lingering Right. right behind the door. Right. But it allows for beautiful moments of serenity. Use the word quiescence maybe 30 to 100 times in the last week. You have? Yes. (laughs) As an exhortative to my students. Uh, Let us have a period and a setting aside of this time for quiescence, please. Concerning our assessments and concerning our applications to education. And of course, they not knowing what quiescence means. They have no idea what I'm actually exhorting them to be able to pursue. But uh, the whole understanding of solemnity, that being the restful silence, and silence in itself within our generation and with our society, oftentimes is frustrating for many. So, uh, especially during this time of needing to be separated from culture and be separated from society. Silence is definitely something to be revalued in this time. Right. As a solemn regard. Oh. So good. Yeah. Talking about silence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might be asking, Aaron, where can we practice this art of silence? Well, Aaron was recently on the set of a uh, new movie. Uh, that's going to be talking about the story of Shamgar. Yeah. You remember the story of Shamgar, Gordon? So for those of you who don't know about Shamgar in Judges? It's in Judges, yep. I also don't know the story, so (laughs) Aaron's going to give us less than two-minute summary on the story, and then you can share your experience if you want to. Okay, less than two-minute summary of the story, and then there was Shamgar... And he too delivered Israel from the Philistines, the number being 600. (laughs) That's all that it says? Pretty much. (laughs) 
<laughs> and there's gonna be a whole movie off that verse. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And all I know is that the leader of Soulcon was the main actor. That is that is true. Yeah, Cody Bobet. And so yeah. you knew the director of the movie, and connected with some Soulcon friends from Minnesota. You drove down there, and you were a Philistine. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right, right. We were. Uh, so the the funny thing about Philistine is that uh, in the Hebrew, uh, they're like they uh, they're using one kind of word, uh, Philistine, and then in the Greek when the Septuagint translated, they're just the other nations. Wow. The other, the other people, the wow. other people. Wow! Wow! Uh, so yes, I was one of the other people. And yeah. will you talk to us a little bit about the history of the Philistines? Uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode is giants. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Goliath was he from some sort of tribe of a Philistine, or had they already been defeated? Will you kind of right. remind me, kind of what that looked like? So by the time that Goliath was coming onto the picture. The Philistines had a pretty big, like, kind of chokehold on a lot of the areas uh, surrounding the Israelites. And they were still very aggressive in the format of uh, kind of expecting, a lot of expectations being thrust in the Israelites. Yeah. Yeah, like, not, you can't use your, you can't be smiths. Gotta take away your plowshares. I mean, take away your. Swords and turn them into plowshares. Like wow. you can't, we can't have you having this military rule, uh, weaponry. Because of course, when like David is going over to the Philistines after retreating from Saul, and that's after Goliath. Yeah. Then, during the moment when the Philistine army was later on coming back and attacking Saul, while David was part of the troops in the Philistine, and the Philistines didn't want him to do anything yeah. with like that battle. During that battle with Saul, like Saul and Jonathan, his sons, are probably the only ones with swords. Wow. On the battlefield. Yeah. So, so we're talking about Goliath when he's like part of a family. Like, yeah, he's, he's probably like, has a probably good heritage of a family. Wow. Like his, his brothers weren't even slain until David was king. And some of David's brothers took out Goliath's brothers. Wow. Yeah. So for those of you who are wondering where are we going in this episode I asked Aaron to come on to the podcast to connect the dots for us around the history of numbers 33 and 34 and I asked him to help us think about that time period and what was happening in history and how we can liken it to some things that are happening to business leaders today, entrepreneurs, leaders in the ministry, followers in ministry, churches, their congregations, and blue-collar trades. And I believe that Numbers 33 and 34, as we will talk in this episode, have some very unique things to help us with understanding how God is very much caring for all of us and how we can be full of hope that this isn't the first time that a nation and nations 
have gone through hard things. And there's a lot of examples in history that we can look at, but I want to specifically focus on the nation of Israel today and how we can learn from them. So we're going to jump into uh, Aaron and I's conversation after a word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Select Painting. With over a decade of professional experience in the Sioux Empire, voted number one in local best surveys for eight consecutive years, Select Painting is South Dakota's largest painting company. I am honored to say that while Select Painting continues to impact the lives of their employees and customers as they grow, the company relentlessly aims to deepen their vision of transforming lives growing in excellence. I have the honor of witnessing the owners, managers, and painters continue to practice the values of family, fun, grit, and growth in a way that changes the atmosphere of every job site they work on. In March, Select Painting is offering a special Painter for a Day package while continuing to give free estimates to residential customers for the exterior and interior remaining season. Select Painting is also at the beginning of their recruiting season, hiring positions for commercial and residential for the spring, summer, and fall. Thanks again, Select Painting, for all you do to make this podcast a reality. And let's get back to our episode. All right, everybody. So Aaron and I have done our best so far to get us in the direction that will be helpful for us to understand where we're going in this podcast, but for just the way that Aaron and I think and the way that we actually have conversation, we are just going to let conversation flow from here on out. We're going to do less stopping and more communicating so that we can basically verbally process and you can catch all of what we're talking about because we have about four or five different themes between us right now that uh, we're talking about off air and now we're gonna do our best to connect the dots and we just apologize in advance for anything that's not super helpful or clear but we believe we have something that's really powerful to share that will bring a lot of hope and will glorify God in a really cool way so here we go we're gonna start with Aaron reading scripture out of 1st Samuel Aaron, you want to share at all why we're sharing this? So we were connecting the historic and the temporal. Uh, these instances in our lives, currently in the instances of our history. as uh, So it's, it's funny how we talk about the Philistines being the other nations being that like a lot of us not having a Jewish heritage uh, they're referred to as Gentiles coming into the faith we are individuals that have thrown off the covering essentially of our own ideology of our ancestors and have taken on the covering of the glory of God as our ancestor and then through that heritage these stories of the Bible looking at them and looking at the figures in them taking stands we look at and say I have a heritage and inheritance of those individuals standing in faith that the prayers and the promises that God has spoken over the people uh, our people now as the New Testament talks about being grafted in 
that us being grafted now into this tree, uh, both in the promises spoken over Jesus as our first brother in, in faith, first brother in promise, first brother in uh, uh, highest brother, uh, being God, and uh, essentially the, the kingpin of all of our family, the, the one that ties everything together, the one that there is in truth, the one where without there being, there is no truth. But he, and like he, being alongside these individuals of faith in our past, uh, stood in a, usually in this moment of uh, about 40 days, 40 years, 40, 40 moments of time, whatever that really reflects as. I love that. Yeah. Uh, 40 temporal units. Right. Yeah. So good. And so, did you bring up the Jesus fast yet? No, that was where we were going to go forward from this. 40 temporal units. Yeah. So we're talking about the current 40 temporal units right. that's occurring right now. Yeah. And so, for, obviously, all of you know that we have uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, happening right now. And at the same time, for those of you who don't know, you can look this up, and I'll have a link to it in the um, show notes in the description that there is a Jesus fast that's happening globally right now. And it actually started roughly two weeks ago. And so what a crazy, awesome moment in time where there is a Jesus fast happening globally that's very much digital and very much like everyone's aware of it. Um, Unlike ever before, probably in history, where a global awareness of a fast is happening and at the same time there is a global pandemic and so (laughs) I find it fascinating and I think we're going to connect some dots here so what I asked Aaron and I to process with you all is when you look back at numbers 33 specifically these Israelites were going towards the promised land for 40 years going in in somewhat of a consistent direction even though they were going the long way to say the least and when they were getting closer to the promised land what they were finding was that there were giants there were giant clans and different people groups that were in the land that God told them to go to and for what it seems most of the people assumed doesn't say it blatantly but it's pretty clear that the people assumed that it wasn't going to be such an intense journey it wasn't going to be such an intense battle to acquire the land i think that the oh, people you betcha yeah we're just going to go on a journey yeah just throw it all in the back we get there all good yeah yeah they took all the things from the egyptians they plundered the egyptians and i think they seem to think that they were going to go straight into their promised land, flowing of milk and honey, and they were going to establish a very successful kingdom. And they were seriously wrong because what you'll see in a lot of the history is that they did not want to fight, but they were led by strong men who did know they needed to fight. So... Aaron, will you help us kind of connect the dots just thinking about those giants and thinking about, you know, what Israel was facing over those 40 years 
and specifically those those last years, you know, I, I I've looked at uh, Deuteronomy specifically, and and Deuteronomy is basically looking over just the last year, the last weeks of Moses, and and he's like recalling everything that's happened up into that point, and Numbers thirty three and thirty four. For those of you who don't know, Deuteronomy comes right after Numbers, and so there's only a few chapters really at the end of numbers that really kind of communicate where Israel was at that historical time. And then Deuteronomy kind of summarizes and gives a lot more details as to the history that was being experienced in the Exodus. But Aaron, as I know that you are a man of Uh, fluology and you're a man who loves to study history whether that's greek or german or icelandic any others that come to mind right away that i didn't say those are the three big ones right i could say yes but i'm not going to expand all right sounds good yeah (laughs) so when you think about all the history that that you enjoy learning whether it's classics or it's ancient how do you liken it unto like where we're at right now um, how do you how do you connect the dots for your own self, right? Because you're a man who carries hope. You're a man who can speak unto generations of our youth, and you can rally hope to them with the history that you carry in your heart. And so, as you remember, our first episode together, it was called it was titled "History Tells the Future," and. I'm excited to process what this title is going to be, but I think it's very much this historical anchor inside of your soul. <laughs> anchor. And so, just flesh it all out. Yeah. So, uh, anchor, because anchor was a representation of the early Christian church. So, mm-hmm. crosses and anchors. Uh, the uh, Gordon... Yeah. Well, how do you define the word faith? Faith. Faith yeah. is something that I don't see, mm. but it's a belief that it exists. How do you identify the word fear? Fear is something that I don't might be see. able to see. I might fear. Oh, might okay. I might fear a car about to hit me right. or hit my you know, car. Okay. And I would fear the outcome of that crash. And so at fear at times, I could see it and feel it. But in a lot of instances, I think fear also has a unique, I can't see it. I know there's a disease right outside of my window, potentially in the air of sorts. And yet, while I can't see it, I, I fear it. Or I could fear it. I personally don't fear it, actually, as a, as, a, as a man speaking personally. I don't fear that disease slash virus. I think it's better to say virus, right? I don't know. So, so that's how I would describe mm. fear. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yep. The reason that I'm going there is because a lot of what we're talking about is how we see things with a sight and how we know things with a heart and how we act on those seeings and those feelings. 
and then we create or we fashion for ourselves different depictions or different uh, kind of schemas yeah. of systems. And then we give those systems, we, we try to give those schemas, those systems, breath. Yeah. Uh, kind of, but the, the irony of it is that, as the Bible talks about, that uh, you, you created these wooden idols, these, these idols of metal, and yet they have no breath. They have no distinction. And, and breath in Hebrew is uh, a very powerful thing. Like your name is your breath. Your breath is your name. So the name for Hebrew is shame. Uh, not our English shame. It's, uh, it's how you pronounce name in Hebrew. So if you're going to say like the name of God, it'd be uh, Hashem Elohim, like the name of God. Um, and then Hashem uh, is used in replacement a lot of times for God itself. Because mm-hmm. this, uh, I mean, this, this one to be able to say, distance yourself from um, antagonism against the holy. Like saying, like, and you have this awe regard. I can't say the, 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 the tetragram. Uh, because my usage of, of God has to be in, in such a removed respect uh, in order to be able to give him holiness. Also creating sometimes this feeling of removed respect of God. And that's the other thing that's going to be really reflected on this is that talking about do we have a God that's living and active or do we have a God that's far removed and looking on? Hmm. Um, and both within the circumstances of looking in history and then within the circumstance we're looking within the present. Yeah. Because sometimes people have a difference in that. Yeah. I think we should start connecting the dots to the yeah. best of our ability to how there are giants in our land right now. Okay. And how do we fight? How do we have faith instead of fear? And how do we do what the Israelites did well? And how do we not do what the Israelites did poorly? How do we learn from history and not make the same mistakes? But how do we make all the right decisions to help us dwell in security in the promised land? And understand that we can learn and we can liken this to what's happened in the past. And so I think I just got to process for a second verbally with y'all. I think that the coronavirus is an example of a giant. But I don't think it's the only giant that we are facing in our nation. And I don't think it would be helpful to name the other giants. I think wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing in life, you can name some of those other giants that you're facing in your life. That being said, how do I face fear and what am I going to do about it? Because this coronavirus is going to go away and there's going to be a lot to learn from this time around the concept of fear and so so we should start looking at the uh i think where we started reading for scripture we were starting reading in exodus yeah that was the establishment of moses within the camp and moses is coming from a family and a heritage 
that on one side is uh, Jewish or Hebraic in yeah. that time, and on the other side is Egyptian. Yeah. So he has this mix stories growing up. It says that he grew up underneath the tutelage of his mother being weaned. Yeah. And so like one can wonder what kind of stories or traditions he was told during that time. But he was then also probably indoctrinated into the stories of Egypt. So these, uh, especially as we've been talked about in our, our time in the present, this uh, question of uh, where truth and story is found. You have these different stories about what's going on, different takes about how it's presented, different uh, presentations of the same information, but a weight and emphasis on different parts of that information. Uh, and so, of course, as Moses goes on in his life, he had to make a distinction and a judgment and a discernment within this uh, influx of information to decide where he was actually going to take his stand. And as we started with the, the Exodus chapter, we found Moses already invested with the Hebrew nation, having made a stand with his people, having made a stand with God. And there instated was this conversation with God where God was engaging him face to face and telling him about this, uh, this building of fear among the people. Uh, and you have Moses... Uh, entering into the holies, uh, entering into that tent, spending time with God, being able to get to know truth. So if we're talking about the giants, uh, a lot of times giants in our life come because we fashion them to be giants. It's actually their shadow that overwhelms the corporeal rather than the actual existence of their congealment against us. Uh, as the old New Testament talks about, the New Testament talks about the we don't fight against this flesh and blood. We fight against this, uh, this, this power that's something otherwise encroaching upon our sight. Uh, and then oftentimes trying to create a shade or a shadow upon our vision into truth. Uh, and so our question is, where are we going to spend our time invested in first mm-hmm. to be able to really recognize our enemy? But first, even before we get to recognize our enemy, we have to recognize who our God is, who stands in the back, right. and where we stand. Have you talked about the uh, idea of our elders having been experienced in this no, compared to should, where we are right we, now? And we should w- move on to that, yeah. Will you start connecting those dots? Okay. So then we have Moses, mm-hmm. uh, who is, is leading the people, and then under Moses we have Joshua. The beautiful thing about Joshua, of course, is it's the Hebrew word for Jesus, yeah. Yeshua, for the God saves. Mm-hmm. This proclamation of promise, of course, and this truth that God will redeem us, and that God, only God will redeem us, God will speak truth into us. And reflecting back on that comment, I was talking about the name being the significance. God being redeeming us and saving us to the point where he speaks into our name and gives us renewed breath, yeah. which is that win, which is that name, which is that promise, which is that salvation, which is that healing that restores us completely in knowing and being confident in taking a stand amongst others because nothing of which others identify with the issues around us, we equate with ourselves. Saying that any problem that even this coronavirus, we're talking very bluntly, things that people are speaking over that and speaking over our fears, speaking over identity of ourselves, any other kind of issue we have, we have such a confidence in the name and the promise God has given us Mm -hmm that we aren't willing to identify with anything else. Right. So the beautiful thing then about Joshua is that this is the name that was given to him again over after we've already seen him before in the Bible. This is the name that's uh, one of those times that God calls it into him and saying, this is the promise I've spoken over you wow. over this time. 
and Joshua then with Caleb, who may or may not have been Hebraic in origin, may have been a foreigner, the son of a foreigner, yeah. being that his, uh, his family and his father's name is something not of a usual Hebraic sense. Yeah. Uh, so this question, once again, of the foreign being drawn yeah. into the nation. And we see this all through the Bible, the God's beauty of stepping into those who are sojourning alongside something that is different right. and giving them truth within this journey and saying, eh, you might have set aside this, you might have set aside that, and you might have this trouble in identifying with this truth, but I've called you to be here. And there's a reason I've said you need to be right here. Um, and so you have Caleb and Joshua with the other... 10, those 12 going into the land of Canaan, mm-hmm. uh, what do they see? They see uh, it being a host of people that are intimidating. And what else do they see? They see... What else do they see? Uh, armies? Uh, something that Aaron can't eat. Uh, uh, something Aaron can't eat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Grapes, right? Okay. Giant grapes. Okay. A giant amount of produce. Wow. It's, of course, it's a land falling of milk and honey. It's, it's gorgeous. It's awesome. They're coming back with these grapes, like on, like a, on a, like one of those little spicks, like between mm-hmm. two men. I, I have this image that, too, like two guys, like carrying this giant brawny, like piece of grapes, and like other people that hold on to it. I don't know how big these grapes were, but they're, of course, big because they're saying, like, like, look at this land. It's awesome. But the other big thing are these giants. Yeah. So this reflection, this duality of the grandeur, the produce is good. Yeah. The men, they're in a way the goodness, like they're looking pretty ripe themselves. Right. Pretty, 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 pretty flush men. I mean, uh, as I was using the words before, star touched, star kissed. Like these are individuals that have been like the representation of, of manliness. Uh, I was talking to you a little bit before about how these giants the Philistines would have been this congealed formation of what they would see as gods. Mm. Like they, they have the muscles, they have the tone, they have the physique, they have not only those things, but probably the emotions that go with it. We see in uh, um, Goliath, he has the uh, audacity. He has the, this kind of capacity of him to demand uh, this capacity of him to be able to assert, the capacity of him to be able to make a stand for something, mm. albeit being that it's horrendous. But yeah. they look onto these individuals and saying, we adore these men because right. they are almost like our Ark of the Covenant. Wow. They are what we take faith in, take faith around. As long as this giant stands in our midst, we know that our God is with us because wow. they have been forged in the fires of our God, of our sea filth, as the Philistines refer to it, as like this cum uh, comporative uh, hydrogen dioxidative protrofactor, or Latin for sea filth. Uh, the, 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 uh, because they're, they're the sea people, like this, this nation that idolizes the sea, their god Dagon is an individual that is the idolization of, of this, this wonder of the chaos. Because wow. in Hebrew, the word water or mayim, uh, the letter M represents chaos. It represents this untamed fashionment. Wow. And they adore this untamed fashionment because it allows for them to have the freedom of all their emotions and feelings, of course. Mm. Uh, of course, even as our day adores the, the, the Mayim, the water. And then they, they use this uh, in replace of the Shamayim, uh, which is the heavens. 
Uh, and so, which is ironic because then the Shin and the Mem is the word for name in Hebrew, the shame. So which essentially they're doing is they're taking the Shemayim, which is the heavens, removing the name of it, and then identifying with their own name and saying this water is so adaptable to anything we can give it. And, uh, and we can speak in this water and it becomes what we love. It flows and we can become what we adore. So then these giants are essentially the formalization of their culture and saying, this is our God amongst us in flesh. They've been tested in our fires and they're greater than you being tested in yours. So the Philistines also are the captains of iron, the, the lords of steel, uh, steel not being there, of course, but they, they, they adore the fire that which eats iron. Wow. And they say this fire, it tests these things that we put into it and we have seen ourselves proven true. Uh, and it's bigger and greater than the God that's tested you. Mm. Uh, and so then Caleb and Joshua, they're going into this land of this people that identifies with this name that's not God's name. Right. Uh, but then when they're coming out with the other 10, this other 10, they're looking at the fruit of this land and they're starting to think the name that they made for themselves is greater than our God. We no longer want to identify with the name of our king because we see in the shadows and they eclipse the light. Wow. And so they're coming back, and Joshua and Caleb, they're saying, hey, we've spent, Joshua is spent, that's a section in Exodus that was beautiful right before this uh, inquisition into this land, this, this journey. Joshua's spending the time on the threshold in the midst of the fire that never goes out. Right. As he's talking about the cloud has set. This is our place to wait and to rest. Yeah. Uh, as and them going out into this desert land, this wilderness, the place of organization, the Midbar. Uh, the Midbar is the desert, also with the Devar, which is the word for word, or organize, or uh, logic, which is ironic in the reflection of the, the Greek, because the word logos is representing what? Word. Word, which is representing in John, beginning of John. In the beginning was the word. The beginning was the word, and the word was with us. And so even in Greek, the word for word, logos, means rationalization. It means perfect order. Same with the word in Hebrew. Uh, the spoken word, that of which we declare into being, in the sense that that which we step a line with in truth that's already been stated and spoken by God before the world began, us stepping in alignment with that, when we declare it out, it's like, we, it's already true. It's already the promises of God. It's not as though we're creating something new. We're saying, God has spoken this. Let it be. And, but these individuals coming back from this foreign land have said, these Philistine filth have spoken this, let it be. And then eclipsing then the word that God has already spoken and saying totally forgotten about it is, which is the irony of the word man. Uh, one of the words for man in uh, Hebrew is the word for remember, uh, which is a promise not only of us, but of all humanity, uh, men and women, that we ought to remember the promises of God. Right. Uh, something so strong in the Psalms is this recourse of saying, I shall remember what you have done for me. Right. The recourse of going into these lands, set, setting up our, uh, our altars of Ebenezer, God is our help, uh, saying, we will remember the things that our God has done. Uh, but now we're living, uh, a lot of us here, you and I are living in, in America, uh, the land of the free, the land surrounded by bountiful waters, uh, but of course, I've forgotten the promises of God oftentimes because we don't look out. And even now, removing the statue saying, because there's a separation of government and, and, and individuality, we cannot have statutes, we cannot have remembrances, we cannot have memorances that God has done anything amongst us. Right. Because of course, God hasn't. 
they say. And so that's the, the starting piece of the 10 coming out against these two, of yeah. Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, we spent time, Joshua spent time in the threshold. They spent time in the everlasting fire. I know God can do this. Right. I know what stands behind me. Yeah. And so I'm not having, I know this, I have this faith against this fear. Yeah. Uh, and so then because of this fear, though, that eclipsing this, this beauty of truth, as God foredeclared, uh, if I go among you, you're just going to die. Because you're unwilling to sacrifice yourselves. Uh, talking about God's glory. When the covering comes, there's two things you can do. You can be broken and submit. Or you can resist and you'll die. Because you're saying, like, I'm unwilling to be in the presence of God. The only other thing is Abaddon, which is death. It's abandonment. It's loneliness, It's betrayal. It's this feeling that a lot of people get in the COVID and saying, uh, not uh, <laughs> so funny. Uh, so the word for glo- uh, glory in Hebrew is kavod. That which is afflicting our nation is the COVID. Yeah. And so us that have the covering, the kavod, the glory of God, are willing to submit to truth and we stand strong within it because we have a strength in God, not because we have a strength in us. Right. But those in COVID that fear and unwillingness and strubbing themselves like the heart of Pharaoh in the chazak, in the strengthening faith rather than the faith in themselves, rather than the faith of God. Right. They are being crushed in the midst of this because yeah. they have nothing to turn into, nothing to be strengthened by. Right. So the glory of this COVID, whatever glory this is, is crushing some. Yes. Where the glory of God for others is resoundingly true right. and we're praising and worshiping within it. Right. That's Not so because right. people are suffering. Right, come on, thank you. We travail over the suffering. Yes. But we have the strength to travail over suffering, which others do not. In the sense, we have the strength to say we have this urging, this, this, this uh, in, uh, endowment of faith upon us, saying that we are strong enough to stand alongside those who are suffering. Because yeah. we know that within, we have this, we don't identify this occasion as suffering. We identify this occasion only by the truth of God, yeah. uh, which stands behind us. So like same thing in this, this, is going forth in this, we're not allowing that, these other giants to shadow yeah. the truth. And I think how that connects in so many ways, what I want to share is the difference Mm. between Logos and Rhema. And when you use the word Rhema, it is the application of Logos. So Those both being Greek words, Logos and Rhema. And so what's happening with Rhema is it is the very utterance. It is the word on your lips Mm -hmm. and it goes out. And the logos becomes real. It becomes yes. applicable. It becomes promises spoken rather than just promises thought in your mind. And so mm-hmm. this is how we are having this episode right now. Excellent. We are men yeah. full of hope. We are men speaking Rama. We're speaking the words already shared. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we are just repeating them. Yeah. The, 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 the Jews have this phrase that's like, uh, it was all spoken to Moses. Uh, but it, of course, like when we reflect on that logically, God didn't speak everything to Moses. But what they're saying is this is used in the times when you believe something in truth and you spend time in God before it and you spend like, but then there's not the community to, to really uh, stand in that gap alongside you. Uh, so like the world around you is saying something different, but then you find a, a kindred brethren 
uh, a kindred citrin. I, I can't use citrin. That's too weird. A kindred sister, sister party. Yes. Yeah, uh, and so, and I also can't use sorority. Dang, nabbit when they they eliminate words from my language. A kindred faithful family. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, oh, you also spent time before the fire of God. Mm-hmm. You also know this truth. God has already spoken it. Uh, it's already to be known. Like, I'm not crazy. (laughs) It's understanding and feeling of not being crazy. Yeah. So back to your original question about how does this apply to the men and business? We're going forward into that. Yeah, we're going to conclude on this. Yeah. So Caleb and Joshua are the only two then walking alongside these people that have lost an entire generation of men. Right, and because and, they were and in women the wilderness. and mothers because they were in the wilderness uh, because for they were so in wilderness for forty years. Yeah. Back to this forty years, the rain came down on Noah for forty years. Uh, Goliath is coming against the Israelites for forty days and nights, uh, and now and for forty years again they're in the wilderness. And the question is always like, when is there going to be a day forty one? When is God finally going to reveal Himself? Uh, in the same kind of sense of uh, Jesus is laboring, then in the New Testament for forty days. Uh, and fast or like travailing over the souls of every man uh, and woman and, uh, and children and, and the people in this in this world uh, and wondering when is there going to be that salvation? Like when is there going to be a Jesus? Yeah. Uh, even in this uh, this Old Testament, the wilderness, they're wondering when is there going to be a Jesus? And we yeah. set up this this statue, uh, this 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 um, one time they have a plague. They set up this snake. Yes. And that snake becomes their god yeah. because we needed Jesus. Uh, we have this gold. We make our God. We need there to be a Jesus. Where is our Jesus? We have the Job and cry before this even too. When Job cries out, where is my mediator? I need there to be a Jesus. And so Caleb and Joshua are the only men, not only only men, the only elders of the people because yes. everyone else has died. Perfect. All the women, the, the beautiful, uh, wonderful women that share the wisdom and are able to administrate this justice of truth. Like Miriam. With a long style, like Miriam. Uh, the women that talked about in Proverbs that uh, stand like, like alongside the gates. Proverbs uh, And being able to say, uh, I am an emblem of my people because I have the charity and I have the faithfulness and I have the favor and knows what it means to make a family. Yeah. And all these men that uh, are established within wisdom that it can be a structure and a pillar uh, to the young men, of course, even to the young, uh, other individuals looking on and saying, well, who are our people? Where have we come from? Joshua and Caleb were the only ones there as pillars and the word for pillar in Hebrew is also similar to the word for faith. We're the only faithful left. Yeah. Uh, we are the only people that can speak this realm of truth because everyone else has forgotten it. Right, exactly. And now we're going into this new land where God's saying all again, now that you've gone through this, this wilderness, go take out the Philistines. And so then the question is, uh, how are we going to be able to make an assault against this people when we are the only two that have had known what it was to be in war, to known what is meant to be in the covering of truth, and they're leading out these troops that have, I don't know this at all. So we're talking about this in business life. Like we, we have these statutes and these pillars and knowing of what it means to fall alongside God, knowing what it means to have judgment and discernment uh, on, on the one side with this audacity of being able to follow through with it, on the other side to have the wisdom administration to follow through with it. Uh, both manly and womanly qualities of being able to administer this justice and this truth. Uh, oh, Gordon. Yeah. I'm I not even thinking about it. I don't even know what, it, like, he doesn't talk about uh, jo- Joshua and Caleb's wife, but I wonder exactly 
whether God had blessed them alongside this, the unspokens in the Bible, hmm. whether like God blessed over Caleb and Joshua, I wonder what it would look like also with Caleb and Joshua's wife and their family, hmm. whether they also got to walk alongside them in that journey. Right. It's something of the unknown. Right. Uh, something of the, like these, these things that like, uh, we have the businesses, we have that which is going on in the face uh, yeah. of going out, but then we have all these things in the family of such a strong accord where the enemy tries to assault that. Yes. first even before the business right and Absolutely. tries to get to that and destroy it and where this like the unspokens and say like we, we can't talk about that because it's not about what's being administered and what's being directed and so it becomes a silent moment and those shadows start to creep and those shadows creep in our family and then they creep on our business right absolutely um yeah so we're talking about joshua and caleb they're trying to they're trying to stand strong amidst a generation of people that have forgotten what it means to be identified by the truth and name of God. Yeah. And as a business, uh, of course, in this time and too, even amidst uh, COVID, amidst uh, other kind of situations, the businesses need to remember what it means to stand alongside the junctions of truth, yeah. what it means to administer justice, both to their coworkers, to their employees, uh, the employers, to the, those that are working with, uh, their customers, what it means to be able to honor those in truth and have a favor towards that. We're, now we're going to the giants how we create the giants. So we create these giants. Uh, so Elohim is the word for God. The word for God is in Hebrew, the ox and the staff. The ox is both the emblage of authority and strength and the emblage of servanthood and sacrifice. Hmm. And the staff is representative of judgment and kingship and the simplicity of shepherding. Of, of those moments of Come being on. kind. Very good. And those are all things we need within yes. our business. Not yes. to replace God, though. And that's the significance. So good. All those to reflect those qualities of God. Right. Where other businesses without the truth in Christ try to create these emblages right. to replace God's already in station of those troops. And so then we create our own gods. And the it's, it's funny how like those that word for God is used in Hebrew... To refer to these gods of the other nations, the gods of the Philistines, these created giants, these created shadows that are trying to be represented as truth and light, uh, trying to be a, a leader of worship like the fallen Lucifer, whose name uh, is referred to as Lucifer is Lux Feros, which is the bearer of light. And so we're trying to create these new bearings of light that represent a truth, but it's this kind of weird glow of light where you really look at it in truth and discernment it doesn't have any light in it at all. Hmm. It's like the story where God says like to the scientists, like scientists say like, we don't need God anymore. Like we have scientists is the word for no, skio, no. And it's like, we don't need God anymore because we know everything. So then God says, okay, how about we, we both create then uh, man or create humanity. And so God, and then so the, shepherd, uh, the, the shepherds of science, they, they gather together. Uh, what, what, what to create man? What, Gordon, what, what, what are they going to Water gonna get? and yeah. matter. Water and matter. All this water and dirt. And then God turns to them and says, what are you doing? I, create your own water and, and matter. Like, you're, you're, you're using my already instated principles to try to create something new, to give it your own face. Like, and so, like, the same thing with all these uh, philosophers and psychologists where Freud hated religion because they thought it created their own God. And it's a prophetical statement, even in us. Like, I don't think Freud was in tune with truth. Hmm. But he makes this statement as saying that we do often create our own gods. And this Elohim, that isn't Elohim, that isn't truth, that isn't the name of God, that isn't the breath of the salvation. 
Uh, and so when we're talking within Elohim, it's, it's, it's also function, it's also the word for void. It, the ox and the, the staff, the, the aleph and the lamed, those words that make up a God are also the words that make up negation. Because without the truth and identity of God, without that breath, we try to create a lie of a God. And we try to give that lie of a God authority over lies, like the giants. We try to create these giants, we try to create them the lies of a God, and we try to give them authority over lives to say they will stand in the gap. Yeah. Uh, and then when they come and face us, yeah. we start to idolize them and say they're greater than our God. Yeah. And so uh, wrapping all back when we started the introduction, saying I was on a movie set uh, for Hold the Pass for Shamgar. And the movie Hold the Pass is this representation of what it looks like for an individual, the everyman, the every individual to hold the pass because it was using as an ox goad. It's using the implements of, of family, implements of labor, implements of pouring time and energy and fashion on the simplicity of things. Like for businesses, we're talking about the everydays. The everydays in and out is what it means to sustain a business in a healthy and faithful practice in ways that are honoring and truthful and not full of deceit. Not trying like a, in COVID, like I made a statement that one can make a lot of money on people's sorrows in this time, but let it be said of us that as businesses and people, we've made money building and creating in this culture, in this community, joys. That we don't want to create money, a lot of money on a lot of sorrow, but we want to be able to build a lot of foundation on a lot of joy. Uh, and so hold the past, we're talking about this, the everyday family. And the Philistines are coming. They brought their, they brought their warriors, their champions, and they brought their their priests of wickedness and wrath, and they brought their lusts and desire and all this fruit. Because what happens in the movie is first they try to tempt him with lust and desire, uh, with which these uh, these individuals, uh, these priestesses, with all this lust. And we try to we tempt you with this lust, and after we can't test you with this lust, we're going to try to destroy you because like first we want to just like the enemy first just wants to make you more of the enemy. Yeah. And then when it can't make you more of its own, right. it's saying, we'll just destroy you and eliminate you because we're stronger than you. Right. And then behind that, they have this idol they bring up. It's like, that is the true evil. We've created for this our God, this wretchedness, this, this defiant of the face and saying, you can't stand against that which we created. What we created is greater than our God. And these times like these, we take a stance in our businesses and our everyday lives, yeah. beyond our businesses as faithful individuals, as men and women that say, we, we've chosen the rock of which our blood will be shed upon. And uh, the Philistines won't come through this because we are willing to sacrifice and die for the truth of God because we know our God will show up. And my blood is not going to go any further than this stone because I'm going to stand here until I die. Uh, and it reflects the true name of God, this Yahweh, because uh, Yahweh in Hebrew is the word for uh, your word for also it represents the name for the word for being true being true true activation of being uh, true life not like this this horrid Frankenstein creature of life that we try to make it or when we're trying to create ourselves in our own giants our own gods our own superheroes we're not trying to do that when we try to simply envision us in the truth of who God looks at us and sees us and calls us out to be that kind of being that kind of being is represented in Hebrew, uh, pictorially, as the hand and the nail. So the word for Yahweh is, behold the hand, behold the nail. As from the time temporally, from ever to begin, as the word is saying, I will stand in the gap for you. I've taken up the cross, 
in every breath of existence, you know I will be there for you. And the story doesn't end for me dying, but me living. And the truth that is instated of saying, behold, I've come again along with you. So then as business individuals, we hold the past. We face these giants. We stand with the promises that God has before, uh, behind us. And we know they'll go before us. Because we've invested in the time in prayer. We've invested in time of worship. Not because of manipulation is saying God must show up but because we know that God will show up because he's love. I want to finish with this picture. It's of the burning bush. Why did God show up in a burning bush to Moses? Because there's what Aaron's saying. There's a false fire and there's a true fire. And yes, Yahweh, praise God. Yeah. Yahweh is what again? To be what? Uh, the word for you means to, like the whole, the hand, the nail, to uh, take up the daily cross. Is that what we're talking about? We're talking you were talking about something about like the very be, word to be. Yeah, it's the word be. for to be. So, but the word yeah. to be is the meaning of sacrificing everything and picking up the cross of God. And so, yeah. thinking about being, God showed up to Moses as an eternal fire, a Amen. self God. sustaining fire. Yes. He could have shown up in the form of Jesus. <laughs> right. Amen. He could have shown up as God, the Father Almighty. Yeah. But he showed up through a burning bush speaking. And I'm going to title this message around the idea of eternal fire. Amen. Because I think right now in our history... We have two very graphic we're images. A, we're in a 40. We're in a 40. A 40 of fire. We're in a 40 of fire. Yeah. And we have a graphic image right now for those who are afraid of death. They don't want to go to hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they don't understand the eternal fire on that side of things. They also don't understand the love and the tenderness and the eternal light yeah. That is that burning bush. I had a student ask me about how I felt about the COVID. And I was telling him about how, like, hey, you know, I think I'm a, uh, this is a temporal instance in an eternal existence. And part of me, like the enemy's kind of like, is seeping is like, dude, they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. As far as understanding that you're an eternal creature. Like, I'm not saying that I'm an eternal creature being that like I'm a Thanic God. Some God that's like trying to represent myself. But I understand, we understand that we have an eternal existence before the Father. Right. And that's either going to be in His presence or that's going to be out of His presence because we're not going to be willing to submit ourselves and to go into that fire because we fear the fire and the flames and what it burns because we're trying to hold on to certain other things. We want to stay on to what we have. We want to stay on to what we've had. We want to stay on what's ever been, what's always been. And we don't want to say, I'm willing to step into that fire uh, and to change what God's calling for now into this rhema, what God's speaking right now, how I should step alongside what He's saying. Uh, and I don't, I'm afraid that if I go forward, I'll lose things. I'll lose relationships. I'll lose material gain. I'll lose my identity to myself, my own character. And uh, I'll lose any kind of uh, status in being able to be uh, represented as a God among the people. Yeah. So we're essentially saying, like, I'm willing to step in the fire because I'm not God. Yeah. Yeah. The last time that I can recall God showing up as fire he showed up in the burning bush and he showed up 
like the well, Holy even Spirit. before that burning bush, we're talking about the Israelites, the pillar of fire. Fascinating. Okay, so fire, pillar of fire, yes. burning bush. Pillar of fire. It yeah. would have been burning bush first. Exodus. Oh yeah, you're right. Exodus. Yeah, yeah. So would have so anachronism. It would it would have showed <laughs> up first. Yeah, to first Moses. the burning bush, and then the pillar of fire. Yes. Yeah. It all started with the burning yeah. bush, and then. God shows up in the and pillar the of fire, fire. Yeah. leads the people. And then the fire, and then eternal fire that's always uh, being able to be spent within yes. like the Levites' jurisdiction. Yes. And then in Acts, God shows up. Oh, yeah, with the, the fire of tongues. Yeah. Like the fire of tongues and the yeah. Holy Spirit in, in a mysterious way has a fire-like... Refining quality. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I, one of the words for fire as a kenning for the Icelandics is the eater of iron. And I, I mentioned that briefly before, but yes. the, the God's eater of iron eats the iron that we create in ourselves Wow! and says, I'm not willing for you to make such a status and a temple in yourself of your iron, of your own iron. Like you, because we've taken these, these implements of, of farming implements of war and then we, we melt them down. We try to create this own temple inside of ourselves. And God says, no, I need you to do away with all those things. I'm going to consume your iron and I'll build the temple out of ethereal roots. So aether is the word for things like that, that f- the final element of heaven, that shemayim, the name, the thing that seemingly is chaos, but is order within the name of God that fire of the aether, God says, I'm going to make you out of an ethereal being within yourself. Because I'm coming in to reside in you. And I don't just reside into a temple of iron and stones that you built. The only thing that I can reside in is something that I built out of my own worth. And I'm building that in you. And so for those who are wonderfully intellectual and have depth and history and roots, like my brother Aaron... I hope that speaks to you. And for those who just have no idea what we're talking about, here's what we're talking about. You are an eternal being, and that is a reality. Just like this virus is a reality, you being an eternal being is a reality. And when you call on Jesus as Lord, and you ask for him to come into you, you give him your life, you put yourself on the altar, and you say, have it all, God. He comes on you like he did in the Old Testament. Fire comes down, and it stays there forever. And it dwells in your soul, and you become what? Uh, Part of the promise. Yeah. You, like you're you're instated like you're a temporal creature in yeah. an eternal existence yeah. but now you're like you're in that presence of God like yeah. you become a new uh, creation a new creation you're gonna become a new right. creation yeah but a creation that you yourselves didn't create so good you're yourselves allowed to be created yeah so uh, what I would encourage you to think about this week is am yeah. I a human being or am I a new creation and ponder that. Aaron, can we be both a human being and a new creation? Yeah, it's, it's the question of what we identify as the truth of what it really means to be a human being. Right. Like what is the earth that we are made out of and what is the spirit that we are given? 
those kind of elements of our corporeality yeah. and the elements of our etherealness, uh, those kind of those two things. Uh, what because the irony is that Ishanisha, the, the old Hebrew, uh, this is this is hilarious. Ishanisha, the word for man and woman. Uh, there, there's a Hebrew kind of Jewish kind of uh, sentiment about it that the the words that are similar in those two words make fire. So the thing that's somewhere between us with man and woman is that we both have this fire of God within us. Uh, and so it's, it's that significant. So can we be also human being? It, it rechanges the direction understanding of what it means to be human. Yeah. And what it means to be human is meant to be lacking in ourselves and needing a creator and stepping alongside that relationship is being loved. Yeah. So can we, can we be human is the same kind of question is, can we step alongside love right. and allow that to be that which fills our vessel? Yes, so good. And just like it, we, we started at the beginning of the reading that Moses talked to God like a friend. And that's what we have now with a relationship with Jesus is he calls us friends. So we are friends of the eternal fire. Have a great week, everybody. Praise God. Talk to you soon. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our time with Aaron. It is always such an honor to be able to spend any amount of time with Aaron. And as my family calls him, Uncle Aaron, it's actually weird not to call him that when I'm speaking to each of you. That being said, I want to close with some thoughts that Aaron and I talked about off air. As I mentioned with you that the Jesus Fast is currently going on, and I just want to give you the dates. That Jesus Fast started March 1st, and it goes to April 9th. And you can get more info in the description notes that I have here, but you can also just go to thejesusfast.global and that'll bring you to the page. What I'm really excited about actually uh, this week as this will be posted the Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this week, there's going to be an extensive push to fast and pray for healing for the nations it's going to be called an Esther fast and that is no food no water for three days and I'm really excited to join the fast and to know that God is going to move in a great way I'm excited to see what happens on April 9th as this fast concludes globally and to see what happens in the news to see what happens in the subsequent days Specifically, when you think about a fast happening in, in Jesus' life, there were two, two very unique 40-day time frames that, that happened with Jesus, and that was Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days, and on day 41, after the fast, he starts his public ministry, which is a really significant date in history and then additionally when Jesus resurrected he was on the earth for 40 days and 
So on that 41st day, he was brought back into heaven. He ascended back into heaven. And that is a huge, significant part of our Christian faith. And so as we are currently in a very intense season in history, I'm so encouraged to know that globally there is a movement of hope through prayer and fasting that was established before the state of emergency, before the coronavirus had even really made its public appearance on the globe. Obviously, it had made its appearance in China and in some of the places that it started. But looking forward, there is so much hope. And I hope you can look back at our conversation with Aaron and see that Aaron and I want you to walk away unlocked, ignited, and activated in your God-given potential. And to know that there is a friend who wants to hold your hand through all this, and his name is Jesus. And I know that that is, in so many ways, cliche and It's been overused in some ways, but coming from someone who was 21 when he got saved and didn't grow up in the church and didn't have all the Sunday school answers on repeat just to get someone to smile at you, they're real answers to me. And I don't think they're ever going to be Sunday school answers. They, They have definitely times where it takes some serious thought into what it means to know Jesus and to really be his friend. And so I just encourage you this week to reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member who you know has a relationship with God and knows that God is a good father and know and and that person that you're reaching out to knows that um, you need encouragement and see what God does in your life. And I hope it hope it changes the way you think about your workplace. I hope it changes the way you think about your personal life and your private life. And for anyone who is listening to this and knows a business leader, knows a CEO, knows someone who has been really affected by the stock market, someone who's had the virus and or knows someone who has family overseas that are being affected by the virus in some way, shape or form. If you know someone, you know, that is elderly and could be encouraged by this message, please share this. I think it's going to land in a really comforting place. And I hope that with Aaron playing his Lear and just the laughs that we have in the midst of this, we're not making this a laughing matter, but we are genuinely going after what it looks like to have joy in the midst of suffering because that's a, that's a command. It's, it's in, 
scripture woven through it where God encourages us to find joy in hard things not at someone else's expense but very much to ignite hope because God is love and he is abounding in hope I hope you have a great week I pray that you find yourself in a place this week free from social media free from the ideas of the world and you can hear this podcast and and find other encouraging messages in the midst of all the things that are going on let's spread hope have a great week As you all know, I do an outro song every week, and this week's outro song is Aaron Muntz playing his lyre. And the song is featuring Ransom William Stewart, who is my two-year-old son who had an epic meltdown upstairs when Aaron was recording his song. And hope you enjoy Ransom screaming in the background but also comforted by Aaron playing beautifully and in a little way I think it's ironic because this week as we go into the noise and and some of the social media screaming that we will have to filter It'll be kind of like Ransom in the background. But may our song be louder. May our song of hope be what is over all the noise of social media and the other outlets of negativity. And it's not to say that there is not facts regarding how intense things are but we have to share hope we have to be able to share stories and testimonies of the good things that are still happening in the midst of all of the hard things bless you in Jesus name
sit at your feet Drink the cup from your hand Lay back against you and breathe Feel your heart beat This love is so deep It's more than I can stand I'm melting your peace It's overwhelming mm -hmm. 